Welcome to the Unconquered Podcast, Hot Takes Edition. One of the issues with our team right now is, is, is mental toughness, uh, discipline, and, and um, execution. Blame no one. Make no excuses. Forget doing something. What if that something is awful? How about be excellent or be great or something like that? That's, that's much better than do something, which is pretty much how Florida State fans felt through the entire ULM game. And yes, I'm pretty much starting on a roll right now because, guys, wow. <laughs> wow. Ladies and gentlemen, wow. I mean, I'm usually, and I've historically been one to be more moderate. I would suggest probably more moderate than many of my colleagues out there uh, in the sense that I've always tended to take the, it's never as good as it seems and it's almost never as bad as it looks kind of approach. And so, you know, I've done a number of episodes where, you know, the theme has basically been step away from the ledge, like don't jump off. You know, it's not, you know, there were things that were bad, but it wasn't, you know, there's, it's not quite as bad as it looks and so on. Well, you know, right now, guys, I hate to say it, but um, it's as bad as it looks. It's every bit as bad as it looks. And the direction is obviously not very good. Things are... Uh, a complete and total mess. Uh, I think it's actually, if anything, it might be worse than it looks right now. And the question is, I, I think it's justifiable to ask a question at this point on whether or not there, whether there's any way that this could end well for all parties involved. So yeah, I, uh, hmm. as, as many of you are familiar, this is my hot takes episode immediately usually done immediately after the game uh but uh this week i was doing some radio and and covering the unc miami game up in chapel hill so uh i was not able to watch everything live and by the time i got back uh from the stadium on that one it was uh, it was 1 30 at night and i decided you know what let's go ahead and push this to sunday and i'll do a hot takes episode after i've had a chance to watch through the game uh, you know, I'd seen some of it in the box yesterday, but uh, hadn't really had a chance to look at it closely enough. I looked at it more closely today, and it's worse than it looked the first time through. It's bad. It is really bad. This is not a step away from the ledge. This is a, you know what, maybe just go ahead and jump off. <sighs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the first thing that's obvious is that the culture has not changed. Willie Taggart walked into a bad cultural situation. It's and we've talked about it for years on this podcast. I mean, even going back to the 2014 years, if you look at the if you go back to the first couple podcasts of the 2014 season, we were talking about how you know they've come out and come into the season pretty out of shape and they're fat and there's some concerns about you know how the coaching staff had to really push them in camp and you know they just there's been a lack of hunger and so on. And quite honestly, that filtered through 2014 to 2015 because as guys were allowed to get away with crap in 2014 and a lot of crap was gotten away with, trust me, um, that changed the culture. The players in 2015 
who were who were there and watched it all happen in 2014, watched what the guys in front of them did in 2014. They imitated their their elders. See, in 2013, you had Telvin and Lamarcus, and to a lesser extent, Timmy Jernigan. Those guys wouldn't let that crap happen. But then when the leadership of the 2014 team was Mario Edwards Jr. and PJ Williams and Jameis and some of those guys. Well, you know, nobody was going to step in and, and be the, the, the enforcer, the bad guy, uh, the guy to pre- preserve the, 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 the team culture, the way that Telvin and, and LaMarcus did to maintain everything being all business. Those guys dis- were, were much more, uh, willing to slack off as much as possible as long as we can still win and you know enjoy the ride we're going to be here one more year we already got our title and then let's go to the pros that sort of thing well that filtered down over the next few years and wound up you know in a toxic situation 2018 we saw that 2017 we saw it was a bad deal where you had to get players to sign waivers to sign commitments promises that they would actually play hard and practice hard and do what their coaches said And when you're getting guys to do that in 2017, that's a bad sign. So Willie Taggart walked into a really bad situation. Let's be honest about that. No question. Bad situation and also with a bad APR. So you can't just clean house and send all of the all of the people packing. Yeah, it means you can't just dismiss guys. So a tough situation for Willie Taggart to walk into and his staff. But. Guys, the, the, the culture hasn't gotten better. If anything, you, you got to wonder, I mean, has the culture gotten worse? Is it worse in year two of Taggart's regime than it, than it was in year one and in final year of, of the, the prior guy? And the thing is, yeah, you've got a bad APR, which means you can't just dismiss guys, but, the rea- but you do- that doesn't mean you still have to start them. That, you, that they still have to be playing. We saw it last year at different points where it's like, why, why is 12 still playing given X, Y, and Z? Why is eight still playing? And why does eight have a single digit number? Like, how, how did that work out? I thought you had to earn those. I guess pitching a fit to get it is enough. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. And this year, five is this has 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 made his bid to be this year's twelve. But he's not the only one. He's not the only one. But yeah, let's go ahead and not do our job on say thirty percent of the of of the plays that you're on the field. Get ridiculous penalties in key situations, selfish penalties, being a fake tough guy, and then not falling on football, being selfish, you know, not falling on a football at the two-yard line, that sort of thing, and yet you're still starting and you're still playing the majority of the reps there? Sorry, guys. That, that, that's where your culture goes wrong. That's, what, that's how it got to where it was. If you enforce it and you, you say dismiss a Mario Edwards Jr. suspend or you, you dismiss a P.J. Williams or even a Jameis or whatever, or you, you suspend those guys and you hold them accountable with playing time and all that, you don't deal with those problems festering and filtering through your program for the next four years. And then when you take over in a program that's already been like that, you can't continue to do the same stuff. I mean, before the final offensive play, go back and look at what they're doing 
look at the offensive line. Look at look at Lucas. I mean, and, and again, he's a freshman, so you know I'm hesitant to call him out too much here. But look at some of these guys doing the doing the tomahawk chop and all of this stuff toward the crowd, and you know all of this looking toward the crowd, and then all of a sudden having to jump to attention when they realize, oh wait, wait, we got to run a play. What are you guys doing? First of all, it's ULM. They should not be in the game with you. You should be embarrassed right now instead of fired up. Second of all, that's the sort of thing, again, that that's where you have to come in as coach as a coaching staff and say, listen, this isn't this isn't acceptable. We have no right to celebrate until we're actually good. And even then, act like you've been there before, businesslike. And actually, you know, a good example of that happens to be on the schedule for this next year, Virginia, or for this next week, Virginia. Bronco Mendenhall, that is a disciplined team. And, you know, honestly, Mendenhall did exactly what Taggart probably should have done, actually certainly should have done when he came in. Mendenhall, when he got to Virginia, he took flack for saying, listen, I've only got like 15, 20 guys. I don't remember what the number was, but it was a very small number who are really ACC quality players on my roster. And people are like, how dare you throw your players under the bus? But the reality was that he was right. And secondly, those players wanted to prove him wrong. And suddenly he's got a tough team that's done what he's asked. Instead, I think Willie and his staff made a serious error listening to folks around Tallahassee, listening to folks left over in the athletic department, listening to folks in the media who told them, who told him that Jimbo was too hard on his players and that the players needed things to be more fun, that they needed to be built up more rather than torn down. And the reality was, and I talked about it on this, on this program, the reality was that if anything, Jimbo led a lot, a lot too much, way too much. A lot too much. Yeah, this is the sort of thing that, you know, you can edit out, but I'm doing a hot takes episode. I'm leaving that in there. Jimbo let way too much go. And yeah, he yelled at guys, but guys figured out that ultimately he was bark and not bite and they got away with stuff. And so, yeah, you know, they eventually weren't having fun and all that. But the reason they weren't having fun is because they weren't winning. But instead, they tried to make things more fun and really tried to ride things out and sort of be friends in that regard and build them up that way. But what they really needed was a swift kick in the pants multiple times, over and over again, repeatedly. How many more synonyms can I find for this? And he could have come in and should have come in and said, look, we are in a bad spot. You know, hopefully we can win a few games this year. You know, this is not what I expected to find at Florida State. It's, uh, you know, culturally, we're not where we need to be. We're not a winning program. Last year, they struggled to get there. But you know what? We're going to we're going to try it. We're going to we're going to be hold our guys accountable. We're going to be better. And I got to give Willie credit. They've held their guys accountable off the field in terms of class and all this other stuff. I mean, I don't want this to be just a bash session for for that stuff but you know off the field they they did clean up a lot and they've put a lot of emphasis on these things and you've you've seen the grade point average of the team go up and guys go into class and all that and I want to give them credit for that but on the field and in terms of the stuff that has to do with football you got to hold them accountable there too and ultimately when you have guys that are not doing their job you have to you have to sit them on the sideline next. You have to have them stand next to you. And if the, the guy next to it, the, the guy after them won't do it, then you put another guy out there and they've got talent on this roster. 
So, you know, it, the culture has not changed. And I got to say, covering both Florida State and UNC, which I've had the opportunity to do for the last few years, has been really instructive. And actually, the two programs have kind of operated in parallel over the last few years. I mean, UNC really peaked in 2014 under Larry Fedora and then cratered last year with a two-win season. And the culture had gotten toxic. It was just not where it needed to be. And here's the thing. UNC hired Mac Brown. That was a hire that kind of got a little bit of ch- a few chuckles from around the country. Like, wow, well, they hired that guy. Like, hasn't he been out of the business for five years? I mean, they're going to hire the geezer. But I've been around the program a little bit. And I, I, I watched in the spring and it was like, man, they're really, they, they really look different. The energy's up. The fundamentals are looking better. Like this is starting to look like a football team. And UNC flipped the culture in one off season. You watch their two, their, their opener against South Carolina and then their win last night against, uh, against Miami. And you saw a team that was tougher, more resilient, that was accountable, that was fundamentally sound, that played with pride, that didn't talk, didn't celebrate a bunch after each play. And wow, one, one off season and suddenly things are so different. And then you look in Tallahassee and it was a similar situation. And I think the, 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 the culture was worse in Tallahassee than it was in at, at UNC, but you see the same problems year t- in year two of the new regime that you saw in, in the final year of the, of the last regime. And in the first year of the new regime, and if anything, many of those problems appear to be getting worse. And it, it, it's about accountability first and foremost, an organization behind the scenes organization, you know, and, and that gets even down to day-to-day operations and planning and attention to detail. And if your players don't see that from you, then, well, they're not going to do that either. And honestly, I thought coming into this year, and you can go back to my, uh, my preseason preview episodes. I thought that the offensive improvements would be enough to result in more wins despite the organizational issues that were there. I figured, you know what? I'm getting reports that the Bryles offense is going to be really, really good. And they are. They're going to be better. They're pretty good. And it's, you know, a night and day difference offensively. Well... I figured they'd, that'd be enough to get them over the hump, probably. And I, I had them as an eight-win eight team before the season. As a result, I figured they'd score a lot more points, give up some points on defense, but you know, eventually the defense would start to kick in a little bit by, by gaining some momentum from the offense, and you'd see some definite improvement, at Mason, mainly as a result of what Bryles and Clements were doing and how much better they were on that side of the ball. But culture is just so important, and it has overruled any of that improvement on the offensive side. And the thing is last year that the offense is significantly improved last year, the offense scored in the first two games, 1.03 points per drive first two games in 2019 and against comparable competition, 2.3 points per drive. So it's twice as efficient Offensively, this the, the Florida State's 2019 offense is twice as efficient through for the first two games, a little over twice twice the efficiency of the prior 
of last year's offense. So they've been way better. It is truly night and day offensively in lots of ways, but everything else appears to be getting worse. And again, getting the opportunity to watch UNC and Florida State as closely as I've, as I've had the opportunity to do it has been instructive. I mean, all I have to do is look at the defensive side at Florida State. By my count, Florida State has at least 37 blue-chip recruits on their defensive roster. 37. That includes the following guys who, at least at some point during the recruiting process, late in the recruiting process, whether they finished there or not, were ranked by at least one service as a five-star. Marvin Wilson, Josh Kando, Jaden Lars Woodby, Stanford Samuels III, Levante Taylor, Akeem Dent. That's one, two, three, four, five, six five-stars on defense. They've got six four, former four-stars at defensive tackle alone. Six at defensive end or edge alone. Nine who are former four-stars at, at linebackers, and they're in the double digits in four-star DBs on the roster. And guys, they gave up 5.5 yards per play against a middle-of-the-road Sunbelt team after giving up over 600 yards against Boise State at home. Now, I've been in both UNC's and FSU's practices. I've seen at least one practice of both teams going back to the spring. North Carolina does not have one defensive player that would start at Florida State. Not one defensive player that would start at Florida State. Let me repeat that. UNC has zero players that would start at Florida State. And yet, they are much better defensively so far in 2019 than Florida State. If you watched them last night against against Miami, you could see the, the limited talent on the field. They've got a few players that are reasonably talented, but they are not a bunch of four and five star guys running around out there. But you know what they did? They ran to the ball. They fought. They tackled. There was one play in particular that just stood out to me where Miami threw a little, little flare route or a little bubble route and I watched the, 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 the corner, who is actually a, a safety in this case because they inverted, but I watched the corner take on the, the outside wide receiver, control the blocker, proper block destruction, keep his outside arm free to force the, the play back in. And then I watched the alley player run a perfect angle down the alley. And then I watched the deep player coming, coming over the top to be the third player in the funnel Ultimately, the, the, the ball carrier saw the alley player, tried to bounce it, even bounce it outside the contain. The contain was so good, like I said, he kept his outside arm free, that he forced it to the sideline, and then there was a big collision from the, from the third guy on the sideline, and I'm sitting there going, that is textbook. That's team defense. Each guy did his job running exactly in his lane, doing exactly what their coach to do, and... Miami's player who had the ball was, was a better athlete than any of the three. And yet those guys managed to bottle him up for no gain. Why? Because they did their job. And over and over again, I would see fundamentals where, okay, your job as the defensive end is to crash the crease here and not get blocked by the, by the edge guy. And well, you, 
you spilled it. You did exactly your job. Your job is to be the spill player and you spilled it not over and over and over again. And then you watch the Florida state game and you go, well, that guy's got the spill that why is he not spilling? He's running around the block there and that opens the scene or he's got the bendy a gap. Why is he in the B gap? Bendy a is a, it's a two gapping thing. He's got the, he's got, uh, you know, he's, he's your, he's your secondary support from here. Why is he not coming up as soon as he sees run guys? Just, I mean, if I were coaching the defense, I cannot imagine I, it. Well, I can't imagine. I can only imagine how many D Y J or D Y F J comments I have put on this film, the, the do your job comments over and over and over again. I mean, and you'd see it, the defense misaligned at times, missed assignments galore, missed checks, a complete mess. And, you know, I wonder whether it's guys that, that either don't trust what they're being asked to do, don't understand what they're being asked to do and what their role is in a given, in, in the given defensive situation. But, you know, in some, it, it, let's say you're doing zone read and all of this, you've got one guy who's designated as the fill player, you know, you're going to crash him. And then you've got another guy that's going to be responsible for the, for the, for the quarterback. Well, if you if neither guy does one or the, if, if both guys are trying to take care of whoever just has the ball, you're going to wind up in trouble because you actually have to do your job, do your own job. And, you know, you'll see a team will get a, a, a gain. You'll, you'll get a tackle for a gain. And yet you'll see a guy like five. He's the, the most obvious target here chirping and talking and pumping himself up and, and celebrating after. And it's like, dude, he had a three yard gain and you didn't even hit him hard. And you contrast that with after the South Carolina game, one of the clips I saw from the, from the North Carolina uh, locker room was Mac Brown actually calling out and congratulating one of his defensive players for not responding to the, shenanigans to the trash talk and such of South Carolina and saying, you know, I'm so proud of you for the way that you chose to be, to be the bigger man here and be, and, and, and take some pride in this and just leave all your play on the field and not respond to that crap. Oh, but I can tell you right now, Florida state's got a bunch of guys who are going to respond to that crap between this, but they're going to win every, but every, every series between the plays. But then when it comes time to actually do it during the plays, well, you know, hmm. well, but coach, you see what had happened was, and that's the cultural stuff. That is, that is the cultural stuff. And it's, it's as a, as an alum, as somebody who I, I bled and sweat it. I, I have blood and sweat that went toward that team that went toward that program. Yeah. My, you know, I, I, I didn't do anything foundational. I didn't, you know, make a contribution or anything in a game that that helped that program, but I I contributed in, you know, whatever little way that I as a as a substandard player could do. And it is disgusting to see where things have been the last 3 years. And again, I I want to put that last year of of Jimbo Fisher in terms of that on in in the same same category. I don't want to just blame one 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 set here. But the fact is that Things haven't changed. 
the 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 quick cultural change and the the buy-in that I've seen in Chapel Hill and I've seen it up close is something that in year two I don't see. And if you don't get it by year two, I'm starting to wonder. Actually, no, I've long since passed starting. I am now at a point where I I don't I might be wrong here, but I don't see a good way that this ends. If you can't get the cultural buy-in, if you can't get the change going by year two, the clock's ticking, man. The clock starts ticking pretty early and you you can lose. It's just so easy to lose that because a few bad, a a little bit of rot, a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump and a little bit of rot just infects and fills the whole, the whole locker room. And there's still rot there. And the only way to deal with that is to cut it. The only way to deal with the cancer is you don't leave cancer there. You cut it out. Now, again, with the APR, you may not be able to you know, kick those guys out of school or whatever or kick them off the team, but you can find ways to make sure that they're not the ones that are playing or, or the ones that are looked to as leaders and everything else. Now, offensively, I want to give some credit because offensively, Cam Akers played his absolute tail off. I was sitting next to a couple of pro scouts at the uh, UNC game in the box, and uh, and you know we were watching before the game a little bit of a little bit of the Florida State game, and you could see the respect that they held for Cam Akers, and for good reason. That guy, you know, I always like watching pro scouts re- reactions in 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 the box to various things, and you could see a couple times where they. Wow. All right. <laughs> you know, that, that guy, that guy deserves more that better than he's gotten from his teammates and, and from his last two coaching staffs. I thought 80 played a quality game. He sees that spot. He played that spot. He, he, you know, Gavin has sort of run out of his opportunities and yeah, he'll still be out there sometimes because he is, he's going to continue to block, but you know, 80 was about three quarters of the game at that position and belongs there. He sees that spot. He's the best guy there. 88 played well, played hard. Blackman was what he's been. I mean, I, I, I tried to say during camp that, you know, he didn't have a great camp. And he's had some struggles accommodating to the new offense. But you got to remember, this is the, this is the, the, the third offense that Blackman's been in. The third offensive coordinator in three years. And he came in raw as it was. So, yeah, I mean, it's not shocking that he's still a little too slow to get the ball out at times that, you know, there are some things that he can that he needs to improve on and do better. But, you know, ultimately, you got to ride with him. And, you know, from what I could tell, the pick six was on a like a vertical choice type route where uh, there was a miscommunication between him and, and Terry, where I think. The, the way it was supposed to work is that if the, the corner sits, if there, there's a hard corner there, then he hits it in the seam, uh, you know, and Terry's going to kind of double move that. Whereas if the corner bails, then he's going to throw it short. And I think he, I think he got his eyes on the wrong spot instead of getting his eyes on the defense. He probably was watching Terry and threw it in there and never saw the defender. And that's just something that can, that's fixable. But you know, it's the sort of thing that with all the, all the, the, uh, adjustments and that sort of route adjustments and that sort of thing you have in this offense, that's going to happen once in a while. And, and, you know, they'll, they'll learn from that, but you know, overall offensively, there's not as much to complain about. They ran the ball. They, you know, they had a couple turnovers that were bad, but you know, overall 
the offense has shown improvement. And that's despite one of the key players, Jawan Williams, which, you know, again, he's not, a, not an all-star, but you, you want to have him out there, was out for three quarters of the game. And Abdul Bello was not a total disaster out there. They were able to survive. Now, against a much better Virginia defensive front that's going to run basically the same scheme that ULM runs, it, it's not, uh, not something that I think you feel real optimistic about. But yeah, anyway, they, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. In, in any case, they were fortunate to win this game. If I'd been ULM's coach, I'd have gone for two. I mean, you look at how easily they scored from what the three or the four or whatever it was that they scored on, on that last touchdown. Does anybody out there really think that there is less than, say, an 80, 85% chance that they would have gone in from the three-yard line if they go for it on go for two there at the end? Defense has given up, was hemorrhaging. So they're really fortunate that ULM's coach chose to go for two and or chose to go for one instead of going for two, and, and they'd probably lost that game. And once again, offense is a lot better than last year. The defense is even worse. And I, I mean, again, I don't think anybody, I mean, even the most pessimistic uh, Florida State analysts out there and, and, and media folks out there, I don't think anybody expected that the defense would look like this. There were some concerns that, yeah, you know, maybe they'd be about what they were last year. You know, they were 37th last year, but they were at least okay last year. They've been bad through two games, just bad. Uh, you know, they, <laughs> they, uh, they are fourth worst. This was, uh, this was posted by David Hale earlier today. They're fourth worst in the FBS in three and out rate forced. They only force a three and out on 13.8% of possessions, which is fourth worst in the FBS. They're allowing 2.31 points per drive as a defense. Now, for the record, this year's offense is averaging 2.3 points per drive, and that's after 1.03 last year. So 2.3 is a healthy improvement. That's good. But you're giving up 2.31 yards per drive. You're giving up what... I, 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 there's just not... Wow. And that's with all... That's 37 blue-chip recruits on defense, if, if not more. I, again, I did a quick preliminary. That, that's inexcusable. I mean, yeah, you can talk about the offensive line has some has some holes personnel wise. The defense really doesn't. The, you, you've got even if okay, well, you know, linebackers, you know, the the upperclassmen linebackers leave something to be desired. You got a bunch of four star freshmen. Bama's starting a four, starting a freshman there. At a certain point, you just make the change and you you deal with the over aggression or you deal with you know some of the mistakes. But you're gonna you're gonna put the guy out there who's gonna do what he's coached to do. And like I said, I had Florida State at eight and four in the preseason. I don't see a good path to that at this point. Uh, I'm adjusting all my win shares down. I, I don't even know where I've got it right now. I'm going to have to go back through all of that. But I think it's I, I think the the chances of them making a bowl against their current schedule are. Uh, would you say that they're better? I'm not sure that they're better than a coin flip right now, and that's despite all of the offensive improvement. And it's and, and it's not because they won't score points. It's because ultimately, culturally, this team will do what they can to find ways to lose. But they'll celebrate on their way. So, yeah, this is, uh, 
like I said, it's it. This is not my usual. Uh, you know, things are a little. You know, probably better than they look. You know, things uh, things are never as bad as they seem. Well, sometimes they are as bad as they seem. Sometimes it's worse. And you know, as as someone who has uh, has been involved in around this program for twenty years, this is you know this is bad. And you know, I. I Florida State doesn't really have uh, a lot of resources to uh, to improve things, and so yeah, that's um, that's not encouraging for anybody. We'll go ahead and wrap it there. As always, thanks to those at the above the numbers bleach level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Bert Bertoldi. Thank you guys so much for your support. Also, thanks to the three sponsors of the Unconquered Podcast. That is Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. Garage Makeovers, the number one garage makeover company in South Florida, and EPR Creations. If you need any web presence, any improvement in your branding online or any sort of online work, give EPR Creations a call. Let any of those sponsors know that you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. As always, really appreciate you listening. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.